0: What's up everybody, welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John and this is r slash malicious compliance. Been doing a little bit of painting today. Finally got uh, the outside of the back porch that we closed in a year and a half ago. Situated and uh, pretty much finished. Uh, Now I just got to get the inside finished. Don't like it? Leave. This happened today. My husband and I have been car shopping as I was in an auto accident at the beginning of summer. Our car was totaled in the accident and it's been a long process. We finally decided on the automobile we wanted, got all our paperwork completed and had our financing all worked out. All we needed to do was sign all the paperwork and drive away. The dealership is 90 minutes from our house so we took the kids out of school early and my husband took off work after lunch. We wanted to make sure we were home in time to keep our typical school night schedule going. We get to the dealership at our agreed upon time. We did one more test drive and we're ready to sign everything. Then the game started. All of a sudden the financing office wasn't ready for us. Then after almost a two hour wait they were ready. The finance person started by trying to upsell us on all the add-ons dealers try to sell you. We told her we didn't want anything extra we just wanted to look at the numbers, read the paperwork, sign it all and head out. Due to our wait we had a limited amount of time to get this done and still be able to get home in time for the kids bedtime routine. The first thing she does is pull out a different set of numbers than we were originally given and agreed to. All of a sudden there is a dealership fee for selling us a car at this time of year. Nearly a thousand dollars for this nonsense. Then she states that if we don't like the fee, we could leave as they have people begging to buy cars from them. So my husband and I stood to leave. She then tells us we can't leave as she's already printed the forms. I laughed at her and told her to go out and get one of those beggars to buy it. So far the finance person is called twice and the salesperson's called four times. I guess they weren't expecting someone to get that far and then walk away. Yeah, I don't play that bait and switch mess. If you're going to mess with me and change up the numbers after we've already discussed everything, and I mean, I ask very specific questions, you know, what are the fees? What are the taxes? What are the other fees? Because there's always extra fees somewhere. But when I'm ready to sign and you've already given me a rock solid number, including everything, and now you want to add more on and then you want to try to upsell me and just don't play that game because I will walk. And more people should be willing to walk on a deal because there's just no reason for dealerships to come down that hard on you. You know, I know everybody's got to make their commission and everything, but if you're going to drive customers away, you make nothing. I'll do it the right way, but there goes your quota. A few years back, I worked for a company that made machines that test computer chips. My job was to test the instruments, big circuit boards that go in the machines. I'd debug them, have them fixed, keep track of the failures and feed it back to the factory so hopefully the same failures wouldn't occur. A couple of important points are these particular circuit boards were manufactured in another city, call it any town, about 500 miles away, same company. And also because of our overly aggressive sales department, we needed to ship a certain amount of these barely manufacturable circuit boards to customers every week. In this case, the number was three. If we missed the quota, crap would flow downhill to my boss. For what it's worth I like my boss and wouldn't try to screw with him but here we are on malicious compliance. There was a particular circuit board that would come from Anytown often without its connector. Think of any connector on the edge of a circuit board but larger. It'd just be missing. When I saw this it wasn't a big deal. I would bring it to my friend in the mechanical group who would as a favor to me put one on. I'd still log the failure so the Anytown crew would know they screwed up. The problem is technically this wasn't allowed cost the mechanical group 10 minutes of time and a connector, and I should be shipping the boards back to any town to be fixed. So although it helped with the quota, my boss let me know under no circumstances was I allowed to send the boards to the mechanical group for the quick fix. We had a brief argument about it. I had some recommendations on how we could legally fix them locally, but I caved because what difference did it make to me? Then one week we had no boards to meet the quota. There were some coming in from Anytown, but the week was going by and I was sitting on my hands. Thursday comes and three boxes show up. If the boards are perfect or have easy fixes, we'll make our quota. But after opening the boxes, all three were missing that connector. Easiest debug ever. Oh well. Box them back up, ship them back to Anytown. About an hour later, boss comes in to check the status. I let him know what happened and they're on their way back to Anytown. I swear I could see steam come out of his ears. He didn't say a word and just walked away. Since there were no boards coming in and I had nothing else to do, I went to the beach. ETA to answer some questions about Anytown's crappy QC. These instruments were the newest products our company made. Although there is some basic QC done at Anytown, I'm basically the QC here. Usually it's electronic failures and problems in the design I'm troubleshooting, but obviously everything gets flagged. Since we're sort of a pilot line for new products, we're only making small lots at a time, doing fault down work and getting the first pass yield to the point where we can just send them straight to the customer without me getting involved. As for any town, we expect some faults, but this one is pretty egregious and should have been handled there. They definitely got crap for it, but this would not be a fireable offense. Years and years and years ago, I worked for a company called Diamond Exteriors. They were what you call a Sears authorized company. So Sears doesn't themselves put a roof on your house anymore, but there's a company out there who works under the Sears name, who will put a roof on your house? It's not everywhere in the country, but our company did roofs of different types, entry doors, storm doors, garage doors, and fences. That was sort of our thing. That was our cluster. There was another company that did bathroom and kitchen remodeling. Well when I started out with the company, I was a quality control inspector. They called me a quality control manager, but the manager part really meant nothing. Anyway, I would go out to jobs and inspect the jobs. Sometimes I would go out during the job if it was a long job just to make sure things were going smoothly and then go back again after the job was completed to make sure everything was done right. Well, that takes time. You have to drive around. This was before cell phones were really a big thing. We did have pagers at first and a uh, telephone calling card so we would stop and find a payphone. And even 20-some years ago, it was difficult to find a payphone in my travels. And then we got uh, two-way pagers that we could use with our corporate office email. So that was nice. Skytel Pagers. That's not dating me much, is it? Anyway, so the company used to jump my butt. You know, you gotta get all these jobs done. You gotta you gotta check the quality control and make sure they're signed off on, the customer's happy, everything else. Well, then they would start throwing complaints in my lap too. You kinda can't do both. You can't go back and inspect the original job and also take care of customers who have complaints three, four, five months down the road. It just builds up on itself and it's too much for one person to handle. They kept beating me back and forth. One week, it was more important to take care of the complaints. Then the next week, the new reports would come out, and then it would be more important to take care of the current customers. Well, like I said, you can't do both. They pretty much made it impossible for me to do my job until they let me hire another guy. But what are you going to do? You won't let me come in late? Okay, I'll have four weeks off. Set up, as you can see from the name, I'm a teacher working in the U.K., I currently work in a weird school which has lessons from 8.45 to 5.15, so a potential of 8 hours a day. The standard teacher contract has work 1,265 hours a year. This is called direct time where they can basically tell you what to do. Marking and planning, etc. comes as 10% of this a week, in most places, even if it takes many hours more. At our weird school, we have it noted in our contract that we have 1,265 hours. Directed hours a year that fall between 8.30 and 5.30. So the eight hours a day doesn't count towards our contract hours, just the lessons. And once you're done for the day, you can notify your line manager you're going home. Line manager? In a school? Once we hit 1,265 hours, we're done for the year. But because it's a short year, no one will ever hit that. Plus, everyone has exam classes which end before the end of the year. So no chance of reaching contracted hours. Malicious compliance. Last year, I found myself with a horrific timetable. Lessons first thing in the morning and last thing. No leaving early for me, ever. And those last lessons were not exam classes, so no chance even at the end of the year. One thing about the school, the head is very hot-headed. After insets are, I don't know what this says, after insets our induction week starts. One of my first lessons in the first week is canceled due to students doing some administrative stuff. So I like to be a bit late as I could be and let my line manager know. Unfortunately, I'd been given a cover lesson that period, which I didn't know about, and my manager missed my message until it was too late. I received an email from the head stating I must always be on site from 8:30 as per my contract and that we could only leave once all my lessons were taught as I might be required to cover. This isn't actually the case. I had been a rep for the contracts and knew that in order to avoid it being directed time, I just had to be available. A piss take of a contract, but means we could in theory go to the cinema Obviously I saw an opportunity. I was going to be in the building for 8 hours a day, 5 days a week. But previously only 27 of those hours were directed and I was free the other 13. But this email from the head was directing me to always be at work. Phoned my union to check and we read the contract. It says 1265 hours as directed by the principal and she had just directed me for all 40 hours a week. I'm sure anyone with a calculator can tell. If you work 40 hours a week, you cover 1,265 hours in 31 and a half weeks. Our year was 35 and a bit. As we reached week 30, I emailed HR and asked what she wanted me to do. I had just realized I was almost at my contracted hours. She told me I couldn't be, and so I showed her the email from the head. was called into a meeting with the head and told I was wrong, which was dropped when I read the contract to them and HR lady agreed. Then I was threatened with a disciplinary, which my union rep actually laughed at as he said it would be the easiest constructive dismissal case. And again, the HR lady agreed there would be no grounds. Eventually, I was offered an additional contract to work the rest of the year, which I took. Been given a slightly nicer timetable this year too. Yeah, that's really no different than uh, the car dealerships doing a bait and switch. You know, if you have contracted hours where you're supposed to do something, you can't have it both ways. The contract says so many hours a year then that's, and you're directing those hours and you just direct it in an email, then you just screwed yourself. You can't come back later saying, oh no, 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 no. No, that's not the way it works. If you plan on somebody being available for coverage, that's fine. Give them a little bit of notice though. Want me to drive your truck? Okay then. This happened to me in the summer of 2011. I was working for a small dump truck company that had me listed as an independent contractor. I didn't meet any of the requirements by law to be listed as an independent contractor and when I found out that I was listed as such I wasn't happy. The owner of the company wanted me to make sure that the truck ran every day and that I would not get any tickets for the condition of the vehicles. However, they had the worst equipment I had ever driven. I constantly would be stopped by state troopers in the area and given a citation for a fix it ticket. I was regularly reprimanded for getting these citations although I knew the trucks would not move if I didn't drive and I wouldn't get paid for the day if I didn't drive. I was also aware that the state troopers would allow me to continue my shift with the condition of the vehicles as they were sighting. After being reprimanded one too many times, I decided that some malicious compliance was in order. I had gotten to know several of the state troopers in the area from being written so many citations, and when my favorite state trooper stopped me the next time, I asked if she would like me to make her day. I walked her around the vehicle and showed her every citation that would take that truck off the road so that it would be fixed properly and not be a danger to myself and would stay in compliance for a very long time if fixed properly. In all, she cited 20 different violations on the truck that she didn't even know existed in the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Regulations books. The company owner had no choice but to replace the entire cab of the truck and part of the front end. They had two trucks in their company that at that point, only one of them was being driven for the next month. And I was the driver because the only other driver for the company was the owner's husband, and he had to fix the other truck. When I first got out of the service, I took two jobs. Almost immediately. One was working in a bar bouncing three nights a week. The other was working for the lady's (laughs) ex-husband, the lady who owned the bar. Her ex-husband owned an oil company, sort of like a safety clean, where you would go and pick up used motor oil and things like that at uh, gas stations, garages, uh, old heating oil where a tank was being taken out of the ground, things like that. We would bring it back to the yard. The oil would put, be put into tanks and processed, mildly processed, and then driven to refineries to be further processed. So basically, this was a 3,000-gallon old converted heating oil truck. It had two tanks, a 1,000-gallon, and a 2,000-gallon partition. And uh, first day in the office, the guy says, uh, you know how to drive a truck? No, but if you leave me alone with it for 10 minutes, I'll figure it out. And I did. I figured it out. I ground a few gears. Not too bad didn't burn any clutches out, didn't bang into anything. So that's good. Uh, it took me about a solid week to figure out how to drive with liquid in the tank of that truck. Because you know, when you go to stop, all that liquid sloshes forward and wants to take you through every red light. It's amazing. Anyway, I mean, my driving record was really good, but eventually I got pulled over by weights and measures in the state of New Jersey. And, uh, they don't play with that stuff. What I failed to mention in the beginning of the story is I never had a license to drive a truck. I could figure it out. I mean, I'm fairly mechanically inclined. doesn't mean I legally could drive the truck. And this was just about the time they were starting to institute CDLs, but they weren't all the way in yet. Before that, it was called an articulated license in New Jersey. And, uh, didn't have one of those either. So really I had no business, not only not driving a commercial vehicle, but it had air brakes and it was a hazmat truck. So there was a bunch of endorsements I would be missing too. Good times, man. But that's how that boss worked things. He, uh, That whole family liked to do shady stuff, man. It was amazing, but whatever. I got paid. I didn't get in trouble. I think he's still in jail. The Leave Loophole Back in the mid-90s, I worked for a bank that was in the process of being taken over. The bank used to have both sick time and vacation accruals, but the new orders laughed at that and told everyone they'd be migrated to a new time bank system that would give 75% of vacation time and 25% of sick time. Also, only 40 hours of your PTO is going to carry over to the next year, period. This pissed off a lot of the long-term workers who had been with the company since the 70s. Loads of workers lost literal months of accrued time off because of corporate penny pinching. Up until the takeover, sick time would carry over indefinitely, so if you had a surgery or needed some other form of long-term care, you could take the time off that you needed. My co-worker, Mary, had been with the company since the new corporate building was opened in 1971. Mary was well past retirement age, but kept working because she liked her job and it got her out of the house. She wasn't hurting for money either. Her husband had retired from his union job all the way back in the eighties and his pension had them both well taken care of. Mary also didn't like being jerked around by inane corporate BS. When the change in time off was announced, Mary noticed two things about the announcement. First, the policy would go in effect the next quarter. So there were still two months left before the changeover. Second, they would honor sick time for any medical leave that was approved prior to the changeover date provided the worker had enough sick time and vacation time available. The next Monday, Mary filed for a medical leave with HR. Her husband had fallen and broke his ankle, and the doctor required that he be in a cast for eight weeks, with an additional four weeks of physical therapy. As Mary was the sole caretaker for her husband, she qualified for medical leave to provide aid for him. Coincidentally, Mary had just enough sick time and vacation time to cover the leave. Funny thing is, more than a few of the ladies Mary worked with knew both Mary and her husband who was built like a workhorse and just as stubborn. The idea that Mary needed to take care of her husband was preposterous, let alone the idea that her husband would want Mary to take care of him. Three months pass by and Mary returns to the office to pack her belongings. Turns out that after confirming her medical leave was going to be paid out, she timed her retirement to coincide with the end of the leave. Good for Mary. That's one thing I can't stand about corporations and even some government entities. Uh, When I worked for the school system, we had, you know, accrued, Sick time, personal time, and a couple other things. But anyway, you know, after a year, you had to use a certain percentage. Only so much of it would carry over, and that's fine. I think sick days would convert to personal days at the end of the year or something like that. But anyway, regardless, the time is the time. And one year, they tried to pull the old switcheroo and said, you know, hey, starting this school year, mind you, it was only a week to the beginning of the school year, to my, you know, the beginning of my contract. They said, all your time starts at zero. (laughs) <laughs> and I said, like, hell, I I had a bunch of time accrued. I mean, I had probably a month's worth of leave accrued between sick and personal time. And I told him, I said, I earned that. This isn't something where, you know, it was just an extra benefit that you're going to take away. If you want to start that after, fine. But what I already have accrued is mine. That's like telling me I'm going to make, you know, just for round numbers, $100 a week. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the first week, you're going to tell me, well, we're only going to give you 65 No. We already had an agreement. I already earned it. It's mine. Don't play with my time off. Put a label on it. Okay. As a poor student many years ago, I lived in a house with five other poor students. We had a shared kitchen with a shared refrigerator. I had a big jug of water I would keep chilled in the fridge. I'd occasionally throw a few limes or lemons into it, if I could afford it. It was the only cold drink I could afford at the time. I was really poor. I didn't mind other folks using it as long as they topped it up from time to time. But I'd come home from class and find an empty jug sitting in the refrigerator. I'd fill it, put it back, come back later and it would be empty again. I started getting a little annoyed. The final straw came when I walked into the kitchen and my roommate was drinking straight from the jug. Really dude? I yelled at the guy. Hey, show some respect and use a glass. Better yet, get your own jug. It's not yours. Roommate shrugged his shoulders and said, Well, you should have put a label on it. I went to bed seething. In the middle of the night it came to me, Yes. A label it is. q malicious compliance. The next morning I found a label and in bold sharpie wrote five letters. U-R-I-N-E. Stuck it on the side of the jug and put it back in the fridge. Later on I returned home to find a housemate staring into the refrigerator. Why is there a jug of urine in the fridge? Oh no, that's not urine. It's a jug of water with urine written on the side. Then why is it labeled urine? To discourage everyone from drinking it. But you're more than welcome to have some, I said. He stared at me confused, then back at the refrigerator. Nah, I'm good. This question was eventually asked by everyone in the house. I answered it in the same honest way. It was perfectly clear that it was a jug of water with some sliced lemons in it. No one drank my water again. Ever. Turns out, no one will drink water from a jug that is labeled urine. One of life's little mysteries. Yeah, I've lived with people in the past that were just as inconsiderate. Drink all your beer. Drink all your whatever. Eat all your food. Dirty all your dishes. And then complain if you didn't clean up after them or refill the jug or buy new beer or buy more soda. Hell, they couldn't even be bothered to put toilet paper back on the holder on the wall. I love people. Justify your actions. This is a short and sweet story that started many moons ago, back when work was a simpler time. We had a member of the maintenance team, let's call him Bill, return from another assignment. Now Bill was a rather blunt man. One who would also look down on us lowly production workers? Well, each day we had to enter any piece of equipment that doesn't function properly. Now, on our production equipment, there is a part that needs to be swapped out and cleaned usually twice or three times a shift. We ran three shifts. More so for newer users, maybe once a week if you're experienced enough at the workflow process. We have over a hundred machines that run. Bill decided that we're no longer explaining the reasoning behind cleaning as it wasn't descriptive enough and we had to justify our actions of replacing the part for cleaning. Being the lead of production for an entire shift, I offered to support my team and fill out their new cleaning log to justify the cleaning procedure. Each log would now start with something similar to the date, time, employee, a quick description of how the machine was running. Maybe at this point I might add the actual issue that was detected to require the cleaning. Then I would continue to explain how we switched the part out, who switched the part out, maybe add in a witness statement about the problem. This way, Bill would have to comb through every line of these cleaning logs to find the justification so he could record it as he had volunteered himself to track this new data. After the first day of now getting a one to two page paper explaining every little reason to clean this part, I got an email asking me to simply write part replaced for cleaning from Bill's supervisor. Personally, I wouldn't want to go against Bill's wishes. So I politely declined to go back to the old method of documentation and continued with this new system for over a month before the plant manager had to tell me it was no longer a functional log. That guy reminds me of, like, the hall monitors in school. Yeah, they were given a job. They were given a task to do with that job, and they took it way too far. A little bit of power went a long way with these people. Instead of just requesting a little more information, he basically tried to jam it down their throat, and uh, they jammed it right back at him. Good for them. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.